0: Iconic geeks
1: obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. I did it again. Wrong headphone knob. Uh Uh-oh. Can you hear yourself? A little bit. Can you turn More. more? How about now? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Okay. Oh, hello. Okay. Okay. What voice is that? So... A YouTuber that I watch, uh, <laughs> Glam and Gore, you'd like her, you need, to, you need to watch. Okay. But she does, like, special effects makeup and stuff, and uh-huh. she, she intros every uh, video with Hello Zombies. Is that what I said last week? Yeah. And that's how she just talks, like, goofy. Okay. I feel like it's from something. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the, that voice— but I don't that's know. That's how she intros every video. Is hello zombies. I
0: have to say that when I listen to our podcast, I mainly listen to our like ramble before. Yeah, and so I noticed it. I, I was like, "What is she doing? <laughs> what is this? Up? What, what is, is this all
1: about? Happening?" <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Hi. Hey. So why do we keep alternating sicknesses? I don't know, but I am done with it. Seriously. I don't like it We've at done all. it for a month straight.
0: You know what? Okay, so my... Sorry, I got all crazy. Oh, no, you're okay. Um, No, that's not it. Uh, oh, whoops. Anyway, I <laughs> just signed it in my email. Don't bother me. It's fine. Anyway, so my job before this was I worked at an elementary school, and I was never sick. Right. Now that I'm not there anymore with all those little kids, like, getting their snot on me, mm-hmm. I'm sick all the time. I need it. I need just, like, a dunk in, like, a big to, loogie. <laughs>
1: you need to go hang out with kids, <laughs> uh, like, twice a week.
0: Twice a week. I mean, my own kids, they don't wash their hands. Right. So why isn't that working? Yeah. I need, like, to be around 75 kids twice a week. <clears> there you go. <clears throat> also, I'm going to eat this cookie while we record. Okay.
1: <laughs> a little treat for you. A little treat. Indeed. So this this weekend, Chris's mm-hmm. uh, mom and I are going to get pedicures together. Are you? Mm-hmm. When? Saturday morning. Saturday morning? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So she's going to get it. So for Christmas last year, we got her a gift card to go yeah. to a salon and spa. She hasn't used it. <laughs> and it expires like Christmas this year. Like whatever day we got it. I think we got right? it like literally the day of online or whatever. But it expires and she's like, she's never been. <clears throat> she was like, will you go with me? I was like, yeah, I will. So she's, That's cute. She, I scheduled her... The way we got it was so she could get a massage and a pedicure. Okay. So I scheduled her a massage and a pedicure. And I was like, can we do the pedicures at the same time? Because I'll obviously get one with her. Right. And then she's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to sit there for an hour. Right. (laughs) So So I was like, can I get a manicure while she's getting a massage? And she's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. She's like, you'll be done a little before. I was like, that's okay. It'll at least give me something to do for a little bit of time. Right. So I'm going to get a manicure and pedicure on Monday. I can't wait to see on Monday. I haven't decided what I'm going to do. Ooh. Nothing like real crazy. I'm
0: not doing it. You have real nice crazy. nails. Thank like you. your nails are a nice length. Thank you. I have little bitty baby hands. Yeah. And so But I
1: like your nails too.
0: Well, it's they have to be really long to just get that little bit of Yeah. 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 Really really long. I don't, you know.
1: They feel really long, they but in know, so actually, they're not mine are mine are short and wide. My they, nails. Yeah, they're so nice mm-hmm. for Thank Painting you know. space. Yeah, they are. They're anyway. Space. So sorry. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'll let Christopher decide.
0: Well, that's cool. Um, You know what I'm going to be doing on Saturday? Before do Before fireworks? <laughs> before fireworks? Nothing. I am <laughs> not reporting, reporting downtown so early to be moving barricades in the cold. That's so stupid. And then I'm just going to, like, cry about it the whole time. You know how whiny I get. It's gonna be turned up a notch, just so ultra, you know. Because it's supposed
1: wine. to rain. It is supposed to rain. I'm it's looking cold. at the forecast to see what it, if it's changed between. It's yesterday not. And today. It's like, hey, it's gonna rain, girl.
0: Your day is not gonna be the best.
1: <laughs> rain with thunderstorms by evening. So sweet, hundred percent.
0: Awesome. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's gonna be fun anyway. Yeah. Christmas and downtown looks beautiful at night. I'm sure with the lights and the trees and they're fire probably do we do fireworks if it's thundering I don't know it would just add to the fireworks yeah just be like yeah. oh was that a so firework or was it. that thunder or was that lightning or was that
1: <laughs> should we take shelter or be like yay <laughs> <laughs> or ooh <laughs> oh funny. no mm. I have to I'm doing the thing in Franklin
0: I'm sure I'll snapchat you the whole day my perils and you snapchat me your perils yeah let's and, do it okay good um, and so triumphs of course I'm not gonna eat this cookie anymore. You can
1: eat your cookie out. In the is, in the it mic, really it's crunchy. like
0: just munching everything. It's fine. For half a Hi. second, I was like, "Are my lips and teeth green yet?" But it's fine. Who cares?
1: I don't. That's why we're in radio. I don't care. I don't care. Um, hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. Uh, <clears throat> another episode. Another one. I get
0: really excited when, um, because you know you subscribe to the podcast, and then your phone sends you a notification, and you look down, and it says, off air with Emily and Patra, has a new episode, and I'm
1: like, oh, shit, that's me doing stuff. I love it. (laughs) I do love it. Yeah. I forgot. Okay, wait. Hold Mm -hmm. on. Hi. We're off air with Emily and Patra. Hey. I'm Emily. I'm Patra. (laughs) And we just talk about true crime and stuff. If you haven't figured it out, that's just what we do. Right. And we just blabble about cookies.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I'm just going to eat this cookie while we talk. Yeah. So. And I also have a cold. So it's just a really enjoyable listening experience for you today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I forgot last week. Mm -hmm. We have a Patreon page, which allows people Mm -hmm. to donate to the cause. (laughs) And eventually, I think it'd be cool if we got like t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But we have our first patron. Oh, my gosh. She donated to us, and she happens to be my cousin. Oh, my gosh. Which, thank you. Which is even greater. It's so, so sweet. So shout out to my sweet cousin, Ellen, for
0: Ellen sponsoring our podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Ellen. I love you way more than all my cousins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um And, yeah. So I forgot to mention that last week. And after we were done and, like, after I was editing, I was like, oh, no. Why? Okay. Yeah. But so thank you. Thank you, we Ellen. We love you. Super love so you. So hard. So, I went first last week. You want to go first? Do you want to eat your cookie? Um.
0: All right. I'm going to go first.
1: And then you can, like, and then treat yourself after. I'll just keep eyeballing <laughs> the
0: cookie because I only have, like, a third of
1: it left. <laughs> uh, anyway. <clears throat> There's more back there, though, so.
0: There are more back there. You have,
1: there. like. I have the painted one. Yeah, I still haven't eaten the painted one. I'm, I'm sitting that one for last. I'm curious to see how that one tastes. I have a half-eaten mitten. <laughs> I ate my snowflake already. Did you? I think I have a snowflake back there. I have there. a half-eaten mitten. And a painted one.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So, did you get that email? Yeah, you replied. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's a reason I sent you that song.
1: Hmm. This the song I was like. Did she just send this to me because she felt it, <laughs> <laughs> which is possible.
0: I sh- I didn't send any contest whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Do I need to pull it up here? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. You
0: don't have to. It's just like. Um, this has some, this is like the only thing I thought of when I came across this story, so because I specifically in my hunt for murders this week mm-hmm. went looking for um, kids who have killed their parents. Oh, yeah, I was just like, let's do a little of that this okay. week. You know, it's it's the holiday season. Why not? Yeah. So <laughs> season of do. It's the season of giving. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to cough. <coughs> it's okay. Ahem. Wouldn't that be terrible if that's how I actually sounded when I coughed?
1: Ahem. I got a cough. <coughs> I sneezed in one of my voice tracks. <laughs> and I got rid of it again, because it was like at the end of a sentence, and my le- like the last like five words just sounded terrible. like, was like, you, like oh. it
0: was coming. like and the I sneeze was there. I couldn't like stop
1: it and sneeze, and so I just that's. We did it.
0: Okay, all right. my story is about a young man. I believe 16, 16 years old, he goes to high school sophomore at Lord's High School. Who hacked up his family with an axe in 1988 what? What? over a punk rock cassette tape. No, he didn't. Yeah, rumored to be suicidal tendencies, which is why I sent Institutionalized, because <laughs> it's all I could think about when I came across it.
1: Sometimes I try to do things, but, it work but there is...
0: Classic, a little later in the song, his mom comes into his room and is like, <laughs> are you on drugs? And he's like, mom, I'm not on drugs. I'm just thinking, okay? Why don't you just go get me a Pepsi? And it's just, it's great. I don't know. I'm sorry. You you have to listen to the whole song, Emily. You just have to like get it. I don't know.
1: I, I did. Did it's you? It's great. Do you
0: remember the Pepsi part? I do. Yeah, because it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's really yeah. stupid. <laughs> But it's really freaking great. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, <clears throat> it basically describes the boys in that video are what I looked like in high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just perfect. Soak visual. that in. All Soak right. it all in. Anyway, okay, February 1988. David Brom, sixteen-year-old David Brom, gets into an argument with his father Bernard, allegedly over suicidal tendencies. Cassette tape. Um, a little later that night, about 1.30 or—between th- 1.30 and 3 a.m., he's been up, you know, ever since the fight. Uh, he goes into his parents' room, and he kills his father with a 28-inch axe. He then kills his mother, Paulette, his 13-year-old sister, Diane, no. and his 11-year-old brother, Ricky, Ooh, uh-huh. all with the axe. And he leaves his family members dead upstairs, um, and he leaves the— uh, axe near the bottom of the basement stairs So like he's upstairs, uh, kills him, takes him all the way down To the basement, leaves the axe I don't know if he goes to bed Or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't say no. But he goes to school The next day <gasps> So he gets up or whatever, goes to school He is seen at the school at the start Of the day, but he doesn't go to any of the classes Instead he takes the family van And he stops by um, A park Barlow Foods, which I guess is a grocery store, okay. a Kmart, Godfather's Pizza, and then he goes back to the house. And then about noon, he is seen withdrawing money from the bank, um, $250. Mm-hmm. About 5.30 in the afternoon, the sheriff's office is dispatched to the Brom home because the high school called and was like, Hey, we haven't heard from anyone. We can't get a hold of anyone. The boy was here and then he wasn't. Um, and then I would guess like, you know, you would coordinate a little bit with the elementary school. Like those kids weren't there either. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and no one could call in for them, which my daughter's homesick today and I hadn't called her in by the time the morning show was over. And they were like, yo, where's your kid? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's good though. So yeah, they're not playing around these days. It would not be 530 before they sent someone to come get me and be like, What's up?
1: Hey, by the way, your children didn't show up for school today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, they didn't? Oh, oh okay. all right. Uh, so shortly before 6 o'clock on Thursday, February 18th, 1988, once again, best time for music. <sighs> time of my life. Uh, the deputies arrive. They find the home's doors closed but not locked, and they find the bodies of everyone on the second floor. And they see, um, because of, the, like, the state that they are in— That they've been dead for longer than 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And so they put out a nationwide alert for David.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Um, There was an older brother named Joe. He was at work at Henry Wellington's restaurant. So I'm guessing he didn't live there. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, So he was called and they told him, you know, like, hey, everybody's dead except for Joe. Or I'm sorry, except for David. And, um, you know, he's missing. Yeah. A little later that night, David is seen by a former teacher at one of the shopping centers, and about 11, the van is found near uh, the local hospital. They're still searching for David throughout the night. Um, A bunch of people see him, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He reportedly spends the night, like, in a culvert in an industrial area. Like, he's on the move outside Mm -hmm. trying to hide because everybody's like, David, you killed your parents. What's up? Where are you at? Mm. Anyway. and so he's like a, a punk rock kid okay that's the whole suicidal tendencies thing uh, yeah. it's whatever so he's obviously like you kind of stick out a little bit mm-hmm. um so by 8 30 the next morning he is seen and arrested at the valley high post office um someone saw him using a payphone, reported him to the police and he does not resist arrest he's by himself He's calm at a 15-minute arraignment in the county court and charged with four counts of first-degree murder and eight counts of second-degree murder. He is ordered to undergo a psychiatric examination and held under 24-hour watch in the county jail. Mm. Um, I don't understand the eight counts of second-degree murder.
1: Yeah, like where?
0: I don't know. That I don't know if it's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand that part. Um, anyway. Uh, The local newspaper and whatever report that his classmates are like in shock, that they can't believe he did it. He wasn't the type to do it. Um, Sunday, February 21st, they hold the funeral for the family Bernard, Paulette, Diane, and Ricky at the Catholic Church. Burial follows and 1,200 people attend the service, including several teenagers dressed in punk style fashions who sat in a special section set aside for youth.
1: Oh my god!
0: Can you not comb your mohawk to the side just to go to the funeral? You guys, get it together. <laughs> anyway, David on Thursday. So like, with what is this? Within within a week, he is moved to a psychiatric facility. Mm-hmm. Um, nearly two hundred parents in the February of nineteen eighty-eight. Nearly two hundred parents meet at Lord's High School to discuss their feelings in the aftermath of the murders. Um, it was just a big, like, shock to the community, and so I think it kind of riled the whole community up against, like, the punk rock-style kids in that yeah. area, kind of similar to, like, the that Paradise Lost
1: mm-hmm.
0: situation. Yeah. In 1987, David had tried to commit suicide twice— It's—he just seemed to, like, be a troubled kid, to be honest. Yeah. Continuing, in February of 1988, a judge rules that under state law, David must be tried as a juvenile, stating, I don't agree with the outcome, but I have to follow the law. So many people were upset about it that the judge got, like, threatening phone calls and death threats. Right. In December of 1988, a unanimous ruling, Supreme Court rules that David could be tried as an adult— So he was arraigned on murder charges and bail was set at $500,000. He pleads not guilty by reason of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me see. Okay, we're going to skip that part. No, don't care about that either. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The jury finds David guilty of first-degree murder after four hours of deliberation. Didn't take long. No. And they just did not care about the mental illness whatsoever. They're like, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, Definitely. October of 1989, the jurors issue a guilty verdict. Whatever, I said that. Okay, the Minnesota, he was sentenced to serve a minimum of 52 years before being eligible for release at age 70. Mm. And he is in the Minnesota Supreme Court or the Minnesota,
1: no, the <laughs> Minnesota
0: Supreme Court upholds the conviction, rejecting arguments raised by the defense that David Rome's constitutional rights were violated during his trial because it was just like, Everybody talked about it all the time, and yeah. it was just, like, a big local scandal kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still in jail, in prison.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, wait, I might have missed this. Did he have, like, a psychotic break, or was it just, like, he was just angry? And- they don't say. Okay. He, they just say that he was mad
0: because they fought over—basically, the the song is insane. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the music is—it's a little whatever— and the dad didn't want him to listen to it. It's a specific taste. It's a specific taste. I
1: love that song. It's on my playlist. It's, my a ru- great song. it's on my running playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm old um, enough to whatever. So I mean I kinda get I kinda understand Yeah. the outcome. Yeah. You like don't if think you're he not, was. to me, the in state of mental illness is very hard to Yeah. Or mental insanity, sorry, is hard to like be like, yeah. That's right. It's very hard to prove, mm-hmm. unless specifically they're like in another world, and right. it's very obvious,
0: right? And he seemed. I mean, he uh, the next the day following the murders, how he just like goes around and mm-hmm. just like does shit. Just runs errands. Yeah, he's like, well, I'll get some money, and I'll get some pizza, and go to the store, and... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't... He didn't go Menendez-style or anything, but yeah. he... didn't
1: spend six million dollars. <laughs> or a million dollars in six months, or whatever. Right.
0: But, um, he did, He wasn't, like, but he worried wasn't, about anybody. Yeah. yeah, He wasn't
1: affected by it. Mm-mm. He was just like,
0: alright, I got the van, let's go see what I, what I can get into. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. why did... I don't... I don't know. It seemed just like... I mean, it could very well be that he was mentally insane and whatever, but.
1: Yeah, and it's very possible that he could have been having a mental breakdown and. Right. A mental episode where that's that's just how it was for him versus a, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Wow.
0: I just, I, okay, so when I came across it and it was about the suicidal tendencies tape, that's all I could think about.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's all. I feel it. Yeah. All right, so my brother actually suggested this one and what's your brother's name jake jake well your little brother yeah my little Little brother brother. my little brother jacob Jacob, suggested this one for me okay we were talking about it we were talking about the podcast and he goes have you done this guy yet and i was like "Mm, i don't even know about that guy Mm. which after like doing research i'm like it sounds familiar but so okay great you might recognize the name i'm not gonna say like we're just gonna go into it Okay. okay good Brian Douglas Wells was born November 15th, 1956. My dad's birthday. Not the 56, but November 15th. Happy birthday, dad. <laughs> <laughs> In 1973, he dropped out of high school and began working as a pizza delivery man and he worked there for nearly 30 years. So he was considered the a ve- very valued and trusted employee of the Mama Mia Pizzeria, which okay, ah. stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, best pizza in town? Probably. Mama Mia Pizzeria. Come on. In Erie, Pennsylvania. So, on <laughs> the... <laughs> anyway. So, on the afternoon of August 28th, 2003, Wells received a call to deliver two pizzas to an address on Peach Street, an address a few miles from the pizzeria. The address was a transmission tower for a local television station, WSEE-TV, located at the end of a dirt road. What? Yep. Okay. According to police reports, he was allegedly meeting people who he thought were his accomplices, including the names Kenneth Barnes, William Bill Rothstein, and Marjorie Deal Armstrong, who we'll refer to in a little while. Okay. Wells allegedly participated in the planning for the robbery, which included him wearing a fake bomb. Mm. If questioned, he was to claim that three black men had forced the live bomb on him and were holding him as a hostage. Okay. Okay. At the television tower, at the television tower that afternoon, he found out that the plot of the whole story had changed and learned that the bomb was real, wow. not fake. So he wrestled with the uh, Barnes and Rothstein that were assumed to be there, and the car, co- uh, and he tried to flee. But one of them fired a gun, causing him to like, Yeah, stop. okay, like, please don't Ugh. shoot me. So at this time, the bomb was fastened as a collar bomb and assumed to have been latched around his neck. So he's like wearing like and I looked the picture in on Wikipedia that comes up, it looks like a a handcuff for your neck. Like oh. Yeah. Kind of is kind of creepy. Mm-mm. So Barnes and Rothstein gave him a homemade shotgun which had the appearance of an unusually shaped cane, which it did. It kind of looked like a cane, but there was like a little trigger on it. What the hell? Two pages of handwritten instructions. What kind of manifesto bullshit? I'm sorry. Right. Anyway. All right. So the instructions that were given to him were addressed to, quote, bomb hostage... Enlisted a series. Learn
0: my name. Yes. Yeah, oh my gosh.
1: Enlisted a series of strictly timed tasks to collect keys that would delay the detonation and eventually defuse it. I'm sorry. Was this an actual
0: story or is this like a Saw movie that didn't get made?
1: Right. Okay. All right. Actual story. All right. Additionally, the list warned that Wells would be under constant surveillance and any attempts to contact the authorities would result in the bomb's detonation. And um, scrawled at the bottom of the instructions says, act now, think later, or you will die. (sighs) So. Okay. The first task was to quietly enter the PNC Bank on Peach Street and give the teller an affixed note demanding $250,000. So she's just, like, sliding a note. Okay, sweet. give me $250,000 or this thing around my neck is going to blow up and you're going to die. And to (sighs) use a shotgun to threaten anyone who is not cooperating or attempting to flee. So, upon entering the bank, he slides the note to the teller. The note stated that in 15 minutes the bomb would explode and that the full amount must be handed over within that time. Unable to access the vault that quickly... Nope. Unable to access the vault, the tailor gave Wells a bag with $8,702 in it. Okay. With, and then he just, he exited the bank because she's like, or I don't know if it's a she, but she's like, I can't, I can't get in there. Like, I'm sorry. Right. And so he takes the $8,702 and leaves. Around 15 minutes later, police spot him standing outside his Geo Metro vehicle and promptly arrested him. He claimed that three unnamed black people had placed a bomb around his neck, provided him with a shotgun, and told him that he, he had to commit the robbery and several other tasks in this time or else they'd kill him. So he followed with the story right, right, that, right. that was the plan. Now, the police initially <sighs> didn't attempt to disarm the device, and then they called the bomb squad. And they were first called at 3.04 p.m., at least 30 minutes after the first 911 call. At 3.18 p.m., just three minutes before the bomb squad arrived, the bomb detonates and blasts a fist-sized hole into his chest, killing him within a matter of minutes. Oh, my goodness. So he signs up for this to get, like, this big payout. Right. Thinks he's going to get a fake bomb. Gets a real bomb. Oh, my God. Ends up blowing up. That's, that's, this is a movie. It's a movie. Wells was believed to have been killed by uh, Deal Armstrong, that Marjorie lady we talked about, Mm -hmm. and her conspirators to reduce the number of witnesses against herself and others. The event was broadcast on television, and the footage subsequently found its way around all sorts of video sharing sites. So my sweet little innocent brother goes, have you heard about this story? And I'm like, no, I haven't. So he tells me a little bit about it, and he goes, there's like video of his head blowing off. Oh, basically. my God. And I'm like, what? <sighs> no. And your brother's how old? Fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> uh. Uh. So <clears throat> I don't know where he learned about this, but other 14 year old. That's another conversation <laughs> for another day. <laughs> Probably not recorded as well. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Although the note claimed that he would gain extra time, Wells would gain extra time by each found key, regardless of what had unfolded, he would never have enough time to complete the task to get the bomb defused. So they were setting him up for failure. Police actually traveled the route that was laid out on that two-page note, and they couldn't complete it in time. Oof. In the time that the note allotted to Wells. So there was no way in hell he was going to do it. Oh man. On September 20th, which this is... A month later.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Rothstein, who lived in a house near the radio tower and was expe- suspected to be a conspirator. Yeah. Called the police to inform them that a body of, a, that the body of a man, James Roden, was hidden in a freezer in a garage at his house. Uh, so he just calls and is like, hey, I got this man in my freezer. Uh. He was obviously arrested. Okay. After he telephoned the police, uh. But before they contact him at his home, he wrote a suicide note indicating that his planned suicide had nothing to do with Brian Wells, even though he never attempted suicide. So it's uh, like, obviously, it had something to do with him, right? Right, right. So in custody, he claimed that Marjorie Deal Armstrong was an ex-girlfriend that he had dated in the late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. had murdered her then-boyfriend, Roden, with a 12-gauge shotgun during a dispute over money. Uh, Rothstein claimed that she subsequently paid him $2,000 to help hide the body and then clean the shooting scene at her home. He claimed to have called the police out of fear, describing Deal Armstrong as dangerous and manipulative. I mean, obviously. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The following day, she was arrested. Uh, Rothstein had been implicated in a 1977 murder after having given a handgun to a friend who used the weapon to murder to murder a romantic rival. Rothstein later attempted to destroy the weapon but was granted immunity from prosecution in exchange for his testimony.
0: Okay, can I just interject to say I love the term romantic rival. I know. Golly. <laughs> anyway. So,
1: yeah, it's a good, I like that. Uh-huh. So Rothstein was admitted to the Mill Creek, Mill Creek Community Hospital on July 23rd, 2004. So this is like six, eight months later. Okay. He had previously been diagnosed with non-Hodg- non-Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, showing myeloproliferative, myeloproliferative mm-hmm. lymphoma. That sounds correct. Diffuse large, ty- large cell type. So basically, he had lymphoma. Yeah, <laughs> sounds <laughs> serious. He ends up dying seven days after he goes to the hospital at sixty. So okay, there was a friend of his who lived at Rothstein's house during the time of the bank robbery plot, who was also to be and in, in, also believed to be involved. He was granted immunity for his testimony against Rothstein, but never was called to testify in court due to illness. Okay. January 2005. This is a year and a half after the bank fiasco. The Big Bang. Yeah. Ah. Oh, my God. God.
0: It's a treat to work with me, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: So Marjorie Deal Armstrong pleaded guilty but mentally ill Ah. to the murder of Rodin, who was the guy that was found in the freezer, right, and was sentenced to 7 to 20 years in prison for These, killing a guy and putting him in a freezer. That's it? Just seven years? She's believed to have killed Roden to prevent him from informing the authorities about the bank robbery plot. Oh, my God. So she's just like... I mean, she is a babe. Yeah. <laughs> in April 2005, a couple months after she pleads guilty, she confides to a state trooper that she had information about the Wells case, and after meeting with FBI agents, she said she would tell them everything she knew if she was transferred from Muncie State Penitentiary to a minimum security prison in Cambridge Springs. Okay. So during a series of interviews, she admits to providing the kitchen timers used for the bomb and said that Rothstein was actually the mastermind of the plot and that Wells had been directly involved in the plan. An FBI affidavit reports that two witnesses confirmed that Wells had had conversations about the robbery a month before it occurred. Okay. So what I, I understand... This to be like, he was like, Yes, I'm in. Sign me up for the fake bomb. For the fake bomb. Yeah, like, that's awesome. I'll I go th- in, rob this place, threaten that this bomb's gonna explode, but it's really never, ever, ever gonna explode because it's a dinky piece of passlet. Pass-
0: right. Thing. You are using kitchen timers here. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> in late 2005, I forgot his name, Kenneth Barnes was turned in by his brother in law after revealing details of the crime to him. Oh my gosh. You guys, keep your mouth <laughs> quiet. <laughs> So Barnes tells investigators that he would tell them the whole story in return for a reduced sentence. Oh, my God. So these are like these criminals, and they're like, yeah, I did this really bad thing, but I'm not going to tell you unless you just let me off. Wow. Which is stupid. Seriously. He told them that Deal Armstrong was actually the mastermind of the crime and that she wanted the money to pay Barnes to kill her father, whom she believed was wasting her inheritance. Oh, my
0: gosh, this woman.
1: I want to know what she looks like. Look her up for me because I don't, I don't know. It was just pictures of Brian Wells. Like that name sounds, to me, it sounds like just like a really, like a and Clyde situation.
0: Like now she's not, but I can totally see her. Like she was a looker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's... Not to, like, say that people with dark hair and dark eyes and whatever are, like, you know, evil looking. Because we're not. She
1: she but does have that look. look. She's got a look. Yeah. Like, she's pretty, like, back then that men would be, like... I mean, it wasn't that long ago.
0: But she looks a little dangerous.
1: Yeah. She's pretty enough that men are, like, intrigued by her. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, oh, she's pretty. And, and she's her got hair's there's Something down. about her that's, like, intriguing. And then she also looks evil. A little wild. Yeah. A little yeah. wild looking. So... <clears throat> Uh, Brian Wells was allegedly drawn into the plot through Kenneth Barnes, whom he knew through a mutual friend, acquaintance. Mm-hmm. The plot was hatched to get funds to pay Barnes enough money. i burp again. You all right? Ugh. Good. There we Hold go. Hold on. I'm going to clear my throat then. Okay.
0: <coughs> <laughs> We're good.
1: The plot was hatched to get funds to pay Barnes enough money to kill Deal Armstrong's father, Harold Deal, so that Deal Armstrong would receive an inheritance according to the authorities. You so they come up with this big bank thing Mm -hmm. so they could pay Kenneth Barnes to kill her father to get more money. Oh my God. Which is just that's so it's so much work, you guys. Yeah, seriously. Like holy cow. The inheritance she was reportedly coveting, no, the inheritance she reportedly coveted was ultimately denied to her. Oh, poor babe. Her father's estate had once been valued near $2 million, but gifts to friends had lowered the value to less than $200,000 at his death in July of 2014, which he died at age of 95. Okay. Um... She was a musical prodigy who graduated near the top of her high school class and her adult life was actually characterized by hoarding and bipolar disorder. So she... Okay. ...wasn't the greatest yeah, as well. Yeah, all right. Um, she was known to authorities due to her husband and several later partners dying under suspicious circumstances. Oh, man. In 1984, she was arrested for killing her boyfriend, Robert Thomas, but was acquitted on grounds of self-defense. Mm. In in uh, I don't want to tell you that part yet. Oh. Um, Harold Deal revealed in an interview that he had to cut off financial support for his daughter decades earlier due to her criminal behavior and failure to hold a steady job. Oh, snap. So he cut her off years prior. He's like, "No, you're you're bad news." Yeah. Okay. Additionally, his last will and testament left only $2,000 to her. Yet the estate's obligation to pay outstanding medical bills before inheritances (laughs) meant she received nothing. (laughs) Sucks to be her. We move on to 2007. July 2007, U.S. Attorney Mary Beth Buchanan announced that the investigation was over and that Deal Armstrong and Barnes had been charged with the crime with Deal Armstrong as the mastermind. The deceased Rothstein and Wells were also indicted as conspirators to the crime and... Buchanan said that Wells had been involved in the scheme from the very beginning and had thought that the bomb was fake and that the instructions in his pocket would provide him with an alibi if he got caught. Attorney Buchanan revealed that Wells was betrayed by his conspirators and that he was fitted with a real bomb that would have exploded even if it was removed. So like so I said, shitty. they were setting him up for failure. So they like, shitty. We need this guy to do whatever and we're just going to kill him. And we're anyway.
0: just going to kill him anyway.
1: On July 29th of 2008, U.S. District Court Judge Sean J. McLaughlin made an initial finding that Marjorie Deal Armstrong was mentally incompetent to stand trial for the bombing due to a number of mental disorders indicating that this ruling would be reviewed after Deal Armstrong had received a period of treatment in a mental hospital, which she was then transferred to a federal prison mental health facility in Texas. So she was. All right. She was mentally ill. Okay. Okay. And, but they were like, no, you got to get treatment and then we'll go to trial for this. Okay. September 2008, Kenneth Barnes pleads guilty to conspiring to rob a bank into aiding and abetting. On December 3rd of 2008, he was sentenced to 45 years in prison by a federal judge in Erie for his role in the crime. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it took five years for them to sentence this guy for this crime. All right. It takes... Six years for them to get this lady. On February, 20- get this lady. <laughs> On February 24th, 2009, Judge McLaughlin scheduled a hearing for March 11th to determine if Marjorie Deal Armstrong was now competent to stand trial. He had ruled. Oh, that was just a repeat of what I said earlier. Okay. Uh, September 9th, 2009, the judge determined that she was now competent to stand trial. So it took a couple months And in October 2010, she stood trial in Erie, Pennsylvania, and took the stand to testify on her own behalf as part of her defense. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She asked for a change of venue, arguing that the extensive media coverage of the case prevented her from receiving a fair trial. Judge McLaughlin denied the request, noting that while the allegations were unusual, the news coverage as a whole had been about factual, had been factual and objective as it could be under the circumstances. So he was like, yeah, good try. Okay. November 1st, 2010, she was convicted of armed bank robbery, conspiracy to commit armed bank robbery, and of using a destructive device in a crime. On February of 2011, she was sentenced to life in prison to be served consecutively with the prison term previously imposed in 2005 for killing Rodin. Goodness. November 2012, the Court of Appeals... uh, The Court of Appeals... What? Oh. November 2012, the (laughs) Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit affirmed her conviction. January 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court denies her petition for certiorari? Okay. I I don't know what that is, but they declined to hear her case regardless. Okay. (laughs) Okay. In December <laughs> of two, you're fine. December of 2015, she lost a second appeal for her conviction, and then she dies in prison of breast cancer, April 4th, 2017, at the age of 68. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, the incident and subsequent inv- investigation were frequently covered in American national media as the case convenu- continued to develop. When the story broke, many actually believed that the incident was terrorism related. Oh, because wasn't. of the
0: bomb situation. Yeah, yeah.
1: America's Most Wanted featured the story three times with newly released evidence in hopes that officials could gather new clues behind the case. In 2012, Jerry Clark and Ed Palatella published Pizza Bomber, the untold story of America's most shocking bank robbery, detailing the events. And in May 2018, Netflix released a documentary series about the case, Evil Genius, the true story of America's most diabolical bank heist. And there was also uh-huh. a short-lived 2006 NBC TV series called Heist that was dra- oh. that dramatized the incident in a pilot featuring Zach Efron as, <laughs> as a teenage pizza delivery boy with a bomb on his chest, forced to commit a robbery. As in the real-life incident, the bomb was detonated and killed the victim. Although in the TV show, the mechanism was updated with a wireless transmitter. And there was also a 2011 American comedy film, 30 Minutes or Less, that depicts a pizza delivery man being forced to wear a collar bomb and rob a bank. Um, This film's apparent similarity to the Wells case was criticized by Wells' family, but Sony Pictures denied that they had any awareness of the case. Okay. And that is, it's actually the murder of Brian Wells is how it's referred to. Wowza. Because technically, he was murdered. He was murdered. <laughs> but granted, he was a criminal and going in with criminal intent. Okay. He was still murdered. He wasn't trying to get murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wasn't trying to die. He's just trying to make some bank yeah. from the bank. Secure that bag. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, oh, gosh. Yeah.
1: My little brother told me about that story.
0: Maybe he watched the Netflix thing. Maybe. And that's what brought him to know. the YouTube video of, maybe not on YouTube. I don't know.
1: Who knows? Anyway. I'm
0: sorry. I feel like I am just so down oh, no, you're today. Perfection. <laughs> this is like my fifth cup of coffee, and I still feel like yes. my eyes will close at any moment, never again that. to reopen. I feel that. Until like an hour or so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> after after a short 30-minute nap. <laughs> never again to open until after a short 30-minute Until life. like
0: 28 minutes. Yeah. 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 I think I'm going to try to find some... Um, Christmas time murders mm-hmm. coming up here mm-hmm. in a few weeks. Yeah, not just yet, but I want to do more than one week, probably. Okay, of Christmas time stuff, just because I love it. Yeah, and I don't know Christmas. the holidays. The holidays make you think about family
1: and yeah. maybe murdering them. Maybe murder. Who knows? <laughs> if was, you have any other suggestions, let us know. You can email us at off air with ep at gmail, and that would be really cool. That would be cool. We'd love it. And. And I
0: love when my friends message me with like, ooh, you should talk about this murder. And I've totally taken some of you up on it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I love it. Yep. I mean, it's not my little brother talking about heads blowing up
1: or anything, but I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on the interwebs off here with EP.com yep. on the interwebs, not com everywhere else. Goodness. All right. Thanks All right. Thanks for hanging out
0: Thanks. with Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
1: Bye. Hey,
0: that was like, um, I feel like we were doing that SNL parody of people on podcasts where they try to, you know, the criminal chick. Yeah, yeah I felt like her for a minute. Hey. Hey. Hey, Emily. <laughs> Join me, won't you? Yeah. While I kind of talk about this murder that I only know like two-fourths. Two-fourths, that's half. <laughs> uh, bye. Oh, no. bye.